This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running, and I'm so far from my. We will not go gently. Uh, we're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared. Welcome back to another episode of The Standard is the Standard, the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com flagship podcast. As always, I'm editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, Jeff Hartman. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lance Williams. How's it going tonight, Lance? I'm doing fantastic, and The Standard is truly the standard. It is the black and gold standard. That's right, black and gold standard, and if you... uh, do not follow the team as closely as probably 99.9% of our listeners do. The team won uh, their week two preseason game. Not that that matters or means anything. Uh, they won 17 to 13 over the Atlanta Falcons at Heinz Field last Sunday. They're getting ready to play their week three, or as I like to call it, their final dress rehearsal game this Saturday at 7:30 at Heinz Field against the Andrew Luckless Indianapolis Colts. And we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more, a lot of Lady on Bell, I'm sure. But, Lance, go ahead, give us a little bit of a rundown, and then also let's get things started right. 
unfortunately, we're going to delve into As the Bell Turns, Episode 3. We're going to talk about the winners and losers, obviously, from the second preseason game. We're going to take a look at things to watch for in Game 3, and we're going to jump into our WTF segment. But as I stated at the top of the program, As the Bell Turns, Episode 3 seems like it's coming to an end as Le'Veon Bell this week tweeted out a picture of the heavens opening with the sun coming down and the picture of arms outstretched. Jeez, these guys, Jeff, these guys, Jeff, what are we going to do with these guys? These guys are quite full of themselves. But what do you make of the post September 1st? Le'Veon Bell coming back. We predicted it this week, but indeed, Le'Veon Bell is coming back September 1st. What's your thoughts? Uh, you know, I, I wasn't shocked that my prediction was wrong, first and foremost. Um, with him, you just don't really know. I don't know. He had, this, this guy, I mean, he's very kind of shut off in terms of social media access and things of that nature, but he does like to play games with people. Every April 1st, he always plays a joke on the media. He says something really crazy. Uh, websites like the one that we have this podcast on, com, will cover it. And then it's later he says, April Fool's, ha, ha gotcha. Uh, a part of me kind of wonders if he's throwing this out there just for media attention and then he'll actually report when Jeremy Fowler said he would, which would be after the third preseason game. I don't know either way, but nonetheless, I, I look at – I look at Le'Veon Bell, and everyone right now is either on the two sides of the fence. They're on the side that says, you know what, he can take as much time as he wants. We want him healthy. He'll be fine. No worries. And then there's the other side of the fence that is, I can't stand this guy. He's selfish. He turned down the deal. We're going to talk about that in a second, I'm sure. Um, I don't like him. I, I don't like him anymore. It's not steal of football, yada, yada, yada. Those seem to be like the two sides that you're either standing on one side or the other. Personally, I'm on the side that says, you know, do I wish he was there? Yeah, but at the same time, I, I don't really care that he's missing the preseason. I don't think it's going to be that big a deal for him to step into week one against the Cleveland Browns and be effective, uh, like a lot of people think. My question for you, Lance, is which side of the fence do you stand on? And do you think he could potentially go through just four, I don't even know if it's four, practices, three or four practices before week one when the games really count and they go to Cleveland and still be effective? And will the Steelers even use him for their every down back, or will they kind of ease him into it? Well, first of all, they better use him for their every down back. They're trying to win a Super Bowl because when you're trying to get a number one seed and play against the New England Patriots, hopefully in the AFC Championship game, you notice how I've slotted the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game. You better win every game possible. You better go 15-1, 16-0 if you can and not give back any games considering you have to play the Patriots. So when he comes back, he's going to be playing. I'm of the I'm in the camp of, look, if you're not under contract, don't play. Stay home, get in shape, preserve your body, and don't take hits. And particularly don't take hits for free. So I have no issue with him being at the facility and him coming in on September 1st. And I think he'll be absolutely fine. I mean, his most effective play is the counter play. I mean, maybe you get the timing back over the course of a couple of days. The only issue with him coming in that late and not being in actual football shape will be fatigue. 
and will be if he's more susceptible to pulls or sprains. But I think Le'Veon will be okay. But what I want to ask you, Jeff, is, and this is, and we haven't really seen this with the Steelers in terms of a player. All of the back and forth, you know, he didn't take the deal, the agent said this, and so on and so forth. And listeners, this is why you have to listen to this show. Jeff and myself both called it on our first episode for this 17-18 season, that if the contract details were correct, it looked like a situation in which the agent said yes, but the player said no. But what's the point of all of the leaks from the Steelers' side? Because it's absolutely coming from the Steelers' side. What's your thoughts, Jeff? Well, I don't know if it really came from the Steelers' side. Look, this came from Ed Bouchette. Ed Bouchette's been doing this for a long time. Um, if you want to get into who I think are the best beat writers, I mean, I'm not going to really talk about that too much. But at the same time, I, I look at this. Ed Bouchette was told this by his agent. <clears throat> he didn't make it up. And so then when Bouchette breaks the story and says that there was a deal in place and they turned it down, and then all of a sudden that same agent's contacted by people like Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport and all these other guys, and they, and they deny it. Um I don't get the point. The leaks itself, I don't understand what good it would come for anyone to do that. I mean, the Steelers, obviously, if they leaked it, this is not normal business operations procedure for them. I think you would agree with that. It's just not. that They're not the type of team that's typically – they're normally very tight-lipped about stuff. But for some reason, in these negotiations, when he turned down a deal, all of a sudden that that deal was released, now to this, and the agent saying that we didn't have a deal in place, and they're saying, yes, he did, yada, yada, yada. And it's just very strange to me um, that this is how it's kind of going down. But nonetheless, um, I just, I really just want Le'Veon Bell to play football. He's going to play in 2017. He's going to make $12.12 million. And at the same time, this is that's what everyone's going to be focused on when, when it all shakes out. But Jim Wexel, friend of the show, he tweeted this out earlier today. He said, look, Maybe on Bell's number one goal this year is going to be longevity because that's going to be – that's really the only knock on him so far in his career is that he has not yet played a full 16-game season. And so that's probably one of the reasons why he didn't go to camp. He didn't go to preseason because he didn't want to risk anything that wouldn't – that could possibly injure him or, or have him have a pulled hamstring, you know, something crazy like that. That doesn't mean it couldn't happen, but – the leagues and stuff is very out of the norm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I want to conclude this segment by saying simply this. He has a little bit something else going on more than just Knox. He has some rude tooting going on as well as he <laughs> did his best and chung with the guy whose name I will never state on this program. He and that fellow one tried to do their best comedic impression of a talking comedic duo. But Le'Veon will be back. He will play football. They will be fine. Jeff, give me your winners and losers from the Falcon game on the offensive side of the football. Let's see your offensive winners and like you know what? Uh when I wrote this show, when I, when I wrote this article for the website um, shortly after the game was over, I had James Conner in um, 
I had James Conn in the losers column. Um, but the more I've watched the film, I watched the game again, um, which is difficult to do in the preseason. But um, he did make a couple mistakes. But you know what? For a rookie, his first game back, all that he's been through, I was I thought he ran the ball hard. And you know what? People were going to say, and I, I just don't understand why people are so negative all the time and they're haters. And, you know, the, the kid runs well in the second half, and everyone says, oh, yeah, but that was against – rookies, and I was against third and fourth stringers. Well, guess what James Conner is? He's a rookie. He's a rookie third-round draft pick. So um, the fact that he was doing it then, it's like, well, I mean, what what do you want from him? You want him to step on the field and be lazy on belt? It's not going to happen. But he, I thought he played well. Yes, he dropped some really easy passes, and that really stains what was a really good, I thought, a really good running game from him. So I'm going to have him as a winner. I thought he was definitely a winner on offense. Um, a loser is Joshua Dobbs. I thought the, all the progress that he made in New York really fell apart against Atlanta. And he didn't have a ton of time at the beginning of the game. The first drop back he had, he gets leveled from behind uh, and stripped of the ball, but it was an incomplete pass. That has to kind of definitely mess with the rookie's mental focus. But um, he just didn't really make the plays that I was expecting. He made some really stupid plays, not throwing the ball away, trying to make something when it's not there. I get it. He's trying to to be the guy that's going to make the play when in reality sometimes just taking what they're giving you is the best play. So Badov would be on my loser's list. And the sad thing for him is that it looks like Landry Jones is probably going to be able to play on Saturday, which means that his repetitions are going to get cut back significantly because Roethlisberger is going to play maybe two series at the most, depending on how it goes. Then Landry Jones will probably play the rest of the first half, maybe even into the third and then Dobbs will probably take it home from there, maybe with a little bit of Bart Houston at the end of the game. So I would have Joshua Dobbs on my losers list. Because I'm looking for any other winners. Um, shoot, it wasn't a very good offensive game for the Steelers, really outside of James Conner's performance. Uh, it was good to see Justin Hunter catch a touchdown pass. Uh, there's going to be an interesting battle in the next two weeks with him. But uh, ultimately, I'd it was kind of a blah offensive game, just like we've seen in the last uh, the last two weeks. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's not in. Marquise Pouncey's not in. They're both expected to play on Saturday. So I'll give you one of each, one winner, one loser. I'll say the winner was James Conner. Loser was Joshua Dodd. Do you have any additions or subtractions there, No, but this, this is why I love football, because evaluations are definitely in, in the beauties in the eye of the beholder. And I thought Joshua Dobbs, other than the dumb rollout pass where he throws the interception, played a much more controlled and a much more consistent game. And I thought James Conner, although he had the drops, and that's whatever, I think he's already better than Toussaint Overture, <laughs> the, the Asian <laughs> running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's already better than him and now Davis. He's already better than those two guys. And after one game of me seeing him, I'm exciting. I'm excited seeing him spell Le'Veon Bell in spots because he looked explosive, aggressive, assertive, showed the requisite patience. I was excited about Connor. I mean, that was one of the things that woke me out of my slumber and stupor and sleep as I've watched that game. But, you know, Joshua Dobbs is who he is. 
but but evaluations are definitely beauty is the eye of the beholder because you went from fanboy of Joshua Dobbs saying that he quite possibly was as good as Landry Jones to the opposite way, and that's just the beauty of football because it's a week-by-week proposition, particularly for young players. But on the defensive side of the ball, I was this was a very interesting game, and I'm going to couch my evaluation of the defensive side of football by saying or using the convenient excuse of, well, it's preseason and they don't game plan. But some of the issues that we saw in the past showed up, in my opinion. So the loose coverage, kind of the lack of pressure, nobody in the secondary in the picture, you know, Matty Ice really roasting them up with ease, time of possession, number of snaps that the offense ran against them, not being able to get off the field on third down. And it just looked kind of like, yeah, well, I'm just going to have to put on my, it's the second preseason game of the season hat. But the winners, in my opinion, Jordan, or excuse me, Jordan Berry, uh, special teams overall, Rosie Hicks with the block. What did I say Jordan Berry? Did I get that wrong? Jordan Dangerfield. Jordan Dangerfield. You're thinking of. Oh, I'm thinking of Dangerfield. I'm thinking of the punter. I'm thinking of the punter. (laughs) So you want uh, Jordan? Okay, I was thinking you were saying Jordan Dangerfield. Wait, why why are you saying a special teams guy and your defensive winners? Because the punter was outstanding. I did an absolutely great well, That's a job. special teams Funny. game ball. That's a, you give a tip of the cap to those guys. You don't give them a winner. I've got to give the punter a winner. He played well. Special teams played well. Rosie Nix with the block. Chicolo and Dangerfield played well. It's a stretch here. Okay. Well, now, All right. I'm stretching. <laughs> I'm trying to, spread, trying to spread my wings. And fly away to a place I belong, you know. And so I'm including special teams in this evaluation. I thought Sensabaugh looked well, and I thought Hilton looked good as well. You know who was a loser to me? Robert Golden. I'm concerned if Mike Mitchell doesn't play for stretches of time. I'm really concerned. Maybe they look at Jordan Dangerfield as a guy to play that role. But Robert Golden is bait. I mean, that guy is barbecue chicken. And Cockrell against a third-string wide receiver gets ran by like we know Cockrell is, an average corner with no top-end speed. But even more so in the game, you know what was most concerning to me? To something that I read today, that Sensabaugh and Hilton, and Hilton's a winner every week, because he just makes plays. But it's concerning to me that Sensabaugh and Hilton are getting first-team reps. Now, you take a much closer look at the injuries. Was that because of injuries this week to some other guys in the defensive backfield? But I read that those guys were getting reps with Artie Burns as the first-team DBs, with the first-team DBs. Well, and this is a good segue into kind of what used to be the camp confidential. We'll call it the, I don't know, the practice report roundup or whatever you want to call it. 
Um, Sensabaugh and Hilton both did get first-team reps. Uh, Sensabaugh was opposite Artie Burns in four Cockrell. It doesn't mean that he got all the reps. He got some reps. Uh, as I wrote in the article when I wrote it for the website, Sensabaugh was not the, you know, oh, my gosh, he's the new starter. He's in crown the starting cornerback opposite Artie Burns. It was just more along the lines of what I felt was they're giving him a look. They might throw him out there on Saturday with the ones and see how he does. But they like what he's done so far. Um, I don't think they like what um, Cockrell has put on tape. Why would they? He's been atrocious at times. Um, and Hilton, I think, is just a matter of I – think, I think with Hilton, it's just more of he's been playing really good football. Why don't we give it a look? It's a preseason. Um, you might have him in there for some subs. Uh, you might have him in for William Gay. You might have him in your diamond nickel packages with the starters. We know how much the Steelers play their sub packages. I think that was more the Hilton role. But Sensabaugh, that's news, man. Hey, you're, when you're Ross Cockrell, I mean, you're looking at this and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I'm supposed to be the guy on the outside opposite of Artie Burns, and now all of a sudden this free agent cast-off is journeyman is coming in and, and he's taking some of my reps, that's a signal, that's a message if I've ever seen one. So we'll see how he does. In terms of injuries, though, currently, Cameron Sutton is really starting to piss me off because he still hasn't been able to practice. Sanquez Golson, I've been a supporter of that guy since he was drafted. I was the one that vouched for him when everyone said he was too small. I was the one that said, I still think he can contribute after missing his rookie year. You know what? I'm almost to the point, I, I might as well just say, screw that guy. You know, he's done. He can't make the club from the tub. Another injury. You know what? We're moving on. Mike Hilton's playing better. Another Ole Miss cornerback, uh, defensive back. So, you know what? Forget Sanquez Golson. But Cameron Sutton, though, the third-round pick, he's close. But I don't know if he's ready to come back and play yet. Uh, but he's getting there. We want to see him back. Everyone wants to see what this rookie can do. He could be, in my opinion, an article that I've been waiting to write, is he could be the 2017 version of Artie Burns in terms of injured in training camp, kind of learning on the go, second half of the season, he's actually a player for the team. I think he could be that type of guy, but he's got to get back on the field. Um, also, injury news, uh, Martavis Bryant did not practice today with a hamstring. Uh, Mike Tomlin downplayed it that he's day-to-day should be fine. Uh, probably, you know, just – that's his first time back in the game. Uh, he got hit really hard. He got knocked back into Saturday at one point when he fumbled the football. But uh, welcome back, Martavis. So hopefully he's healthy. And then Marquise Pouncey returned to practice. It looks like he should be ready to go. That's big news. Juju Smith-Schuster was back at practice. That's big news. It looks as if the Steelers on Saturday will have their full starting offense minus Le'Veon Bell uh, at their disposal and playing for the first two series at least, uh, Ben Roethlisberger Roethlisberger said it depends on how it goes. Uh, If you remember last year, week three was when they went down to New Orleans. They lit up the Saints for two touchdowns, and then they got the heck out of there. So uh, after watching Odell Beckham Jr., uh, I would be fine if they said that Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown don't play at all, but I know they're going to. They probably want to. So that's going to happen this Saturday. Other than that, injury news, not too much going on. I haven't heard much on Mike Mitchell not sure if he's even back at practice yet. Um, Hargrave was back, I believe. Uh, Ramon Foster was back. So, and, uh, Bud Dupree and James Harrison practice. That's, I can't believe I forgot that. So we should see a more complete defense, too. Ryan Shazier practice. So, you know, you talked about the defense against 
the Atlanta Falcons week two of the preseason, you said how everyone said, oh, they don't game plan. Well, a lot of people also hung their hat on the caveat of there was no Bud Dupree, there was no Ryan Chazier, there was no Mike Mitchell. So I'm not saying Mike Mitchell will play, but Chazier and Bud Dupree and James Harrison should play as well. So this is going to be a good look for the Steelers, uh, you know, the first quarter here to see what the starting defense does. And they should beat up on the Colts because the Colts are not any good. I don't even think they're that good with Andrew Luck. And uh, with Scott Toldine, we saw him last Thanksgiving. Um, they should be able to take care of business. So that's your your practice report, uh, injury update, whatever the heck you want to call it. Uh, that's what's going on. What do you think about that, Lance? You mentioned the Odell Beckham hit. Just as a football fan, and we don't want to spend too much time on it because it's not Steeler related, I had no issue with the hit. And the NFL has legislated that type of hit into the game because if you take a hit, if you take a shot above the waist, you better time it up perfectly, sort of like um, when Gronk got hit by Earl Thomas last year. Uh, you better time it up perfectly. And so instead of taking the 15-yard penalty, you're just going to shot. You're going to take the shot on a guy's legs. I had no problem with the play. But I think the NFL has to do something about trying to legislate that out of some sort, try to do something. What was your thought on that play? You think it was a dirty play? Uh, what's your thought on that hit on Beckham Jr.? Um, you know, it's funny. I was down in D.C. Uh, with a couple other um, editors for the big websites for our network, and we were watching the game at the hotel bar, and I even said to the – the guy that runs the Dallas Cowboys site sitting next to me, I said, why is Odell Beckham Jr. still in this game in the second quarter? And I'm not joking. The next play is when that hit happens. And I said, you know what? It looks bad, and people are going to gripe about it. There were several Steelers that commented on it. Eli Rogers said it was garbage, all that stuff. You know what? Like you said, the NFL says, don't hit him in the head. What am I going to do? I'm going to take him out. I'm going to go low. You might not like it, but I don't want to – that guy, I don't even know his name. I think he has like four names. But still, he probably can't afford to drop $25,000 to the NFL. So he's going to make a tackle. That was not a dirty hit. You know, I mean, tell Eli Manning not to air the ball out, and Odell Beckham doesn't have to leave his seat in that situation. Um, I didn't think there was anything malicious with it. Uh, You might not like it, but you know what? Tell the NFL to not outlaw hits that are higher, and you won't have guys going for their knees. So personally, I look at more of the rules than I do the hits. Um, did you think it was, I mean, I, I didn't think it was bad at all, personally. I, I thought it was fine. Yeah, we're, um, we're, go ahead. Yeah, we're in agreement there. We're absolutely in agreement there. It, it was a legal hit. Unfortunately, it's a bad rule. In terms of things that I'm watching for in the third preseason game, I, I want to look for better pass rush and better coverage. I, I just want to see how it mixes together better. And the the one thing when you were talking about sense ball playing and getting snaps is, and, and, and you know, I, I'm typically not joy. Jeff is joy. And so I'm going to go into my preseason Debbie Downer mode. Let's keep, there we go. Let's keep it, let's keep it 100%. Let's keep it 150 when it rains, hit the lakes. Experience the best in weatherproof fun at Bolero. Bowl, play games, and treat your taste buds to Bolero's signature menu. Don't get wet, go bowling. Visit Bolero.com for hours and weekly specials.
The Steelers' rosters are cornerbacks. Come on, man. I'm not going to be able to do. Come on, man. <laughs> you look at their roster of corners. Are you trying to tell me that this is the set of cornerbacks that this team is putting out here to win a championship? Now, if Artie Burns plays yeah. to what they think he will be and be that guy, maybe it can work, but I, I'm concerned. I am absolutely concerned well, when Sensabaugh oh takes snaps from Cocky. I, I, I'm absolutely re- – because I'm concerned about Cocky being a quality corner. I mean, this is a guy they were trying to get rid of that they had to bring back. So, I, I, well, well, look, I'm, I'm going to be patient, but, but uh, Jeff, Jeff, come on now. Listen, the, the quarterback's only going to be as good as the pressure. We know that. I mean, for crying out loud, they won Super Bowls with with cornerbacks. That you had Ike Taylor, who was pretty good, and then who else was opposite? Willie Williams for one of those. Um, William Gay, younger William Gay. Um, they can do it with lesser with lesser cornerbacks, but you have to get pressure on the quarterback. So that kind of and... thing that I said two words there. So <laughs> this, this is going to come in. This is going to come in with. Bud Dupree, to me, he is the guy that could make or break this defense. Because if he can be a dominant force on the left side, it's going to open up T.J. Watt or James Harrison on the right. More James Harrison probably than T.J. Watt. So if Bud Dupree can be as improved as everyone's talking about, and they were saying defensive player of the year stuff. I mean, that's what his coach that he went and saw, the pass rushing coach that he saw this offseason. He said, we're talking defensive player of the year. And you know what? Get on that field on Saturday, and I want to see you just running all over the Colts. I'm talking, I want you to be making your home in the backfield, terrorizing the quarterbacks that are out there. It might be Scott Polzine, it might be somebody else, I don't care. So it's all on Bud Dupree. If they can pressure the quarterback, especially with only four rushers, then they'll be fine. I truly believe that. But if all of a sudden they got a blitz like crazy, then you know what? It's not going to be fine. So you, you buying into that or not? Well, you know, I'm, a, I'm just going to be patient and wait and see. We saw how they struggled mightily in the first half of the season last year when you predicted that they may get 50 sacks. So let's just hope your prediction from last year we have some carry over into the next season, and some of those sacks will count. But what are you looking forward to on the offensive side of the ball in the third preseason game? Um, the third preseason game, well, you know, honestly, it's, um, it's tough for me because they do game plan a little bit to this. The, people think that, you know, they're just going to come out vanilla. Not offensively. They're going to have a plan. They're going to kind of game plan for the Colts a little bit. Um, They're going to figure out what they want to do, how they want to attack things, but they're going to be very vanilla. What I want to see is everyone running right the correct routes. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger makes a check at the line of scrimmage that everyone's on the same page. I want to hear that the – you know, I I want to see them be balanced, and that's something that Lance, we've been doing this show long enough, and I always do the offensive keys. And I think every week I say the same flipping thing, and that is, Balance. You want to be balanced. You want to make sure that 
you're running it well, you're throwing it well, you keep the defense on their heels and not on their toes in attack mode. I want to see someone like James Conner with its starting unit, uh, with Ben Roethlisberger under center. I want to see Juju Smith-Schuster. How do they work him in? I hope that the offense and Todd Haley get all those guys on the field. I want to see Martavis Bryant. I hope he's healthy enough to play. I want to see him. There's a lot to look for in this game on Saturday because it's the third game. It's that last stretch rehearsal. Um, I'm excited to watch the offense. I was excited last year when they played the Saints. They lit it up. If they don't succeed, if they, if they struggle a little bit, it's not the end of the world, people. Uh, you're not always going to get a first down. You're not always going to score a touchdown every possession. Um, but, you know, you look at last week's defensive – You yeah, seriously, when you look at last week's defensive failures, a lot of that could be tied to the fact that Joshua Dobbs couldn't get a first down to save his life. So when that happens, all of a sudden the defense is on the field more. They're already not in – game shape, so to speak. Um, so it is what it is. But I want to say something about the sack total, Lance, okay? Um, you gave me crap when I said 50 sacks last season. They had 38 last year. Okay, now if you remember correctly, I want to say that weeks one through three, especially in the Washington game, just to kick off the season on Monday Night Football, they didn't blitz at all. They didn't even sniff the quarterback. They literally sat there and they let Kirk Cousins throw the game away. And I just think back and think, man, if they would have just blitzed more during that time, they probably would have been – I don't think they would have gotten 50. I don't think they would have been plus 12 here. But I do think that they would have been closer. I think this year I'll change my number, okay? I'm going to say 45 sacks 2017. You buying or selling? I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take closer to last year's number, uh, low 40s. I'm going to take the under. Just because it'll depend on how many snaps. It'll depend on how many snaps T.J. Watt plays. I mean, I think the thing we saw in the second preseason game is where T.J. Watt has to do a lot of work is rushing the passer. Uh, I, I love his athleticism, but we see he's going to struggle in that regard. But the last segment of the show, listeners, is the WTF segment. And I'm going to start this segment by saying this. Come on, Steelers. It's hard enough to watch preseason games. But what do the Steelers do to make consuming preseason games even more difficult? They give two guys the same numbers. Man, what is this? Is this college? Come on, man. How can you give a, two guys the same number? There were two number 30s in the second game. James Conner and Malik Golden. How are you going to give out two numbers and eight kids like us are trying to figure out who's on the field? Come on, Steelers. At least make the guy number 30.5. At least do that so we could tell who's out there. And if you're the guy with the second 30 and your name is not James Conner, it's a harbinger of things to come. Do you have confidence that you're going to still be on the roster? You know you can't keep two 30s. Come on, Steelers. (laughs) Help us out 
and make preseason football a little more easy to watch. What's your WTF, Jeff? I've got I've got two for you tonight. Okay. Um, first and foremost, my WTF goes to NBC. Uh, at a time in our country when everyone's talking about these athletes that are kneeling during the anthem, that are protesting, this isn't about the protest. It's not about the cause. It's not about what they're what they're trying to say. NBC comes out and says, well, you know what we're going to do for the kickoff game against the Patriots and the Chiefs on September 7th? We are going to air the entire national anthem like they do in the Super Bowl. If you think about it, that's the only time that the national anthem is aired from start to finish is at the Super Bowl. Why in the world would NBC want to do this other than to draw more attention to what's going on during the anthem. Now, to an extent, that's okay because the players have the, the right to have use their platform the way they want to. But NBC, why would you have to do something different like this at a time in our country where maybe you just say, you know what, let's just move to the game. Let's get to the football. Let's get to why everyone's watching, and that is to watch football. NBC, WTF. And here's my second WTF. My other WTF is KDKA. You want to throw out Bob Pompiani and Charlie Batch during these games. My goodness. I have yet to see a game where these two guys, I mean, Charlie Batch is a nice guy. He's a friend of the website. I know he checks it from time to time. I know he checked it as a player. I swear, I, I literally am watching the game thinking that was the dumbest comment I've ever heard in my life. And maybe I couldn't do better. But you know what, Lance? I think that I could. Maybe KDK, call me up. Let me in that booth. I'll do it by myself. I don't need Bob Pompiani. I don't need Charlie Batch. I'll do it by myself. You know what? Me and Lance will do it. Let us, KDKA, let KDKA get us on the air. We will make that preseason game a hell of a lot more interesting, and I bet the ratings would be better because we're better looking than them anyways, right? So uh, there you have it. Those are my WTF segments for tonight. So what we got for the website for the rest of the week, Jeff? What you got big coming up for the readers? Oh, big coming up. We got a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, tomorrow we have a film breakdown of, well, a guy that actually has two sacks so far uh, this preseason. Farrington, Huguian, I don't you know if I said that correctly. This, would, this is what would make it fun to be doing the play-by-play. I would butcher these names intentionally. But anyways, um, we're going to gain out some grades. Uh, we're going to talk about um, – there's a lot of commentary coming up about the defense, about how the Steelers' D offense, the Steelers' offense could carry this team to the Super Bowl finally. Um, a really interesting piece about uh, why fans should really stop talking about why, why Le'Veon Bell should be cut or traded, which is more common than you think. We're going to talk about that. It's always going to be your best bet to check out behind the, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com leading up to the game on Saturday, during the game on Saturday, after the game on Saturday, as well as on Sunday um, and Monday. Hell, just check it every day. It's your one-stop shop for Steelers news. So, Lance, give us one more final breakdown or thought, whatever you want to call it, before we head out. Before we head out, I want to actually give you guys one last WTF. And Jeff brought it up in terms of the national anthem and how NBC is going to cover the game. First of all, it's bad enough we got to listen to Collins' work for four quarters. I am not a Collinsworth fan. That's one. But here's the other WTF. 
I don't know if you guys are aware, but NBC, excuse me, ESPN pulled a uh, color commentator by the name of Robert Lee off of the Virginia game, the college football game. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's the dumbest, most asinine thing I've heard in recent times. He can't help that his name is Robert Lee. And what's he supposed to do? Change his name to Dick Lee? <laughs> what if he can't do that? Because that's even worse. Come on, ESPN. You're going to make the guy change his name to Dick Lee so he can do Virginia games? W-T-F, Dick Lee. Come on, ESPN. That's why I don't consume anything on hey, ESPN. Yeah. It is horrible. Absolutely horrible. Dick Lee, come on. WTF. It's not it's not good. It's not good at all. So, uh, folks, there you have it. That was the latest episode of The Standard of the Standard. Make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Check us out on iTunes so that you know when all of our podcasts are airing on the BTSC podcast platform. You can search The Standard of the Standard to get all that information. Lance, as always, thanks, and we'll see you next week to recap week three in the NFL preseason. There's no better place to watch football with friends than Buffalo Wild Wings. They've got all the games on wall-to-wall TVs and a new $5 game day menu with 38-ounce pitchers of Bud Light, Coors Light, and Miller Light, cheeseburgers and brats, and select cocktails. And every Sunday, you can play an exclusive fantasy football game with DraftKings with prizes like free wings for a year. Get to Buffalo Wild Wings for our $5 game day deals. When football is on, you have to be here. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Price and participation vary, subject to restrictions, limited Time only. There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.